Good morning and welcome to the UK Column viewers. I'm in the studio today for, I think, a very interesting catch-up with Kimberly Isherwood from Public Child Protection Wales. Kim's been with us uh, several times before uh, on the extremely important issue of uh, the sexualisation of our children, especially the younger children in schools. And uh, we thought today would be a good day um, for her to be able to tell us where she thinks things have got to. We've also got an interesting article in um, the Scottish uh, Mail, I think it was the Mail on Sunday, which we're going to talk about. And we have a little bit of video clip, which we're going to play during this interview, uh, which is uh, three things. It's um, a young child talking at school uh, on the subject of uh, sexual education and transgender issues the CIS agenda. Uh, we've got an exchange in Parliament um, between Andrew Bridgen, who was speaking out against uh, these uh, sexualisation policies within schools. And then there's a pretty strong robust from Ben Bradshaw, um, who's MP for Exeter. Um, we'll have a look at that clip and then we'll talk about it. But let's get, let's kick off. Um, Kim, thank you very much for coming back with us. How are you? How are things going? I'm very well, thank you, Brian. And <clears throat> at this moment in time, things aren't going great um, on the formal front. On the informal front, things are going fantastic. So what I mean by that is on the formal front, um, the judges uh, refuse permission to appeal against the judgment for our parental rights over sex education. This is concerning because it's age three to 16 with no parental opt-out. Um, I don't think people are aware that this education that we're dealing with is, is being sold as a safeguarding platform and it's to prevent against teen pregnancies and STIs. But here in Wales, the education starts from age three to age 10, you know, that big chunk of children first. And the teenagers are not getting until 2025. So we've got that concern going on. We've got the judge who has, has, has accepted case law from around Europe to state that parents' rights aren't the thing. They simply do not exist. We know we're caught up in this global comprehensive sexuality education. Now the concern is that this case law can and will be applied to the whole of the UK. So I've stated on the show many times before, people think this is a Welsh fight. But the evidence on our website, as we've proven in the High Court, this is a global fight. And all four countries of the UK adopted this in March 2017. So there's absolutely no doubt what's going on here. The documents in question state there will be legislative changes. So this is the legislative change that's about to take place. It's, it's active here in Wales now. It's going to be active around the whole of the UK. As you know, the UK have had far worse lessons than us, but we do have this legislation. So at this moment in time, what we are doing, we are actively um, joining every single parental group in the UK on this. Uh, over the last three years, at the beginning of the three years, there were very few organisations fighting it. Now you only have to go onto Facebook and you can see groups from as small as 70 people going right up to 17,000 people. So this, this um, education is now coming into our living rooms. People are seeing it um, reflected in their children's behaviour. They're seeing it in their homework. Parents are concerned and parents are united. So what we are doing now, we've set up a page and it's called the Coalition Against Indoctrination and Sexualization in Schools. The whole purpose of that page is not to dissolve the other groups and, um, and, and wipe out their hard work because everybody needs to work hard for their areas. This still very much needs to be a localized fight to support the parents on the front line. But we are working really hard to form this coalition of... Um, what can I say? We are people from the ground. So we are the people from the housing estates. We're the people from the terrorist houses, the mining communities. We are the forgotten people who are joining forces, the people who don't usually get involved in things like this. Those are the people we're actively seeking now. They are keen 
um, to form this coalition because obviously we've lost faith in the politics. The democratic process hasn't worked for us. The judicial process clearly is not working for us. The government is very um, aggressive in their approach and intimidating everyday citizens through local authority and directly threatening um, claimants on the case. So we have no choice now but to take it bottom up, you know. We knew the movement was important from day one anyway. But now um, it's a relief to see there's far more groups out there. Uh, like I said, the organisations out there, the named organisations claim to be fighting this. They aren't supportive of any parental group whatsoever. So we do you know what I mean? Three years down the line, we don't know who to turn to, where we can turn. So we've got no choice but to step up, really, rise to the occasion. And we are on a mission now to unite this kingdom bottom up. Nothing's happening from top down. So we're just going to have to um, rip this out now from the root. And that's, that's very much where we're going with this now, Brian. OK, excellent. Um, well, of course, you've done so much work, Kim. All of this information flows out of you very easily. Um, let's, let's just pick on a, um, a simple thing. Uh, no doubt there'll be somebody who's new to you and to the subject. So we're, we're talking about the sexualisation of children in schools. And I, I think we need to be blunt here. What has caused the concern for you? Well, in, initially, it was the other people around you, mums and, and dads. But as you've explained, it's now spread across communities. What are they actually seeing in this education that concerns them? So for, for, from our perspective here in Wales, um, the policies in practice then, so I won't talk about our vast knowledge on the history and the raw data. I'll just talk about it um, from ground level and what, what's happening in the classrooms. There's, we are clearly seeing a demonstration of a split um, through the family. So children are actively being encouraged not to speak about what's going on in the class. We're hearing phrases such as what happens in class stays in class. There's lessons where children need to draw around their hand and on each finger name a trusted adult. They are being encouraged not to use mum and dad. So this is a very small children. So for us at this moment in time, the concern is the um, complete shutout of the parents and the way the teachers are treating us. So, for example, we've heard time and time again from the First Minister, the Prime Minister and the Minister of Education, the schools need to be transparent with the parents and show them everything that's going on. But that's not happening, Brian, you know. We've even seen court cases now where the judicial system has sided with the sex education organisations to hide stuff from us. So the secrecy, I think the secrecy is the concerning thing um, from the parents right now, you know. So that is the first, um, that's the first concern, you know, we're just shutting up the parents. That is, that's a safeguarding concern in itself. Because even if this education was about children being abused at home, then you shouldn't be shutting out that home life. You very much need to be including it and familiarising yourself with it and investigating, you know. There should be a working partnership, but that has been severed. That's been severed through the actions of local authority and government. So that's our concern from the front line, um, from the parents' perspective, what's happening now. We've also um, seen children coming home. I'm going to be completely honest here. Um, we've seen these lessons um, where children are being taught how to make a baby. We've had an eight-year-old autistic boy come home from school and reenact what he's learned at school. So he actually got into bed with his mum and he started rubbing himself against her leg. And when she asked what he was doing, he replied, plain and simple, I'm giving you sperm for a baby. So we're seeing children cannot comprehend what is happening within the classroom neither. So and with the fact that we are not allowed any access, the teachers are not being transparent. We really are... Um, we're in the thick of it. We don't know where to turn, really. We'd only got each other, and these stories are coming in thick and fast. We're very concerned about the way the teachers are speaking to children. So um, for argument's sake, there was a child come home from a school last week. They had learned about the birds and the bees, and the teacher openly said that she still has sex with her husband and she enjoys it. 
Now that is um, that's a safeguarding breach, uh, Brian. You know that she's in a position of power, a position of trust. Should she be discussing her sex life to any child, any student, even an adult student? It's not allowed for a start, let alone prepubescent children in a primary school. So we do get, as you know, this education is passed off as an inclusion way and being diverse. But we will clearly shout, we don't want no sex in our classrooms. We don't want no discussion of sex. And we certainly don't want discussion of for, about sex from teachers. You know, we know what goes on in institutions. There should be safeguardings in place. And when I was in school, that is not the kind of talk. You would not even know your teacher was married unless she was Mrs. or there was a ring on the finger. You know, even if you asked that question, you would be told to mind your own business. So the lines are being blurred, um, very, very grey areas. And again, because it's coming from the educational establishment, this is non-contact sex abuse as defined in the Sexual Offences Act 2003. But it's happening in the schools, so it's okay. Uh, you've honed in on the business that the, the parents are effectively being shut out from what is what's what's being taught to the children. And uh, I, I can understand the concerns there. Absolutely. The other bit of it is um, is the type of education that is being given to very young children. So you've mentioned in this past, I'm, I'm trying to draw this out of you again, because I think for anybody who's uh, with us listening to this this interview it's important that they understand what the what the foundation concerns are but it's the fact that very young children from three i think you've said three up to ten in in wales are being taught um it isn't just about the birds and the bees they're being taught about sexual practices which many people would find wrong or extremely distasteful, or certainly something that should only be discussed at an adult level. So we, we've got masturbation, which has come in, we've got oral sex, we've got anal sex. All of this is being um, pushed on very, very young children who are not old enough to understand what they're really being taught and all the rights and wrongs of it. And then you are saying, and what makes this whole thing worse is that the parents are being gently pushed off to one side so that they, they can't know what is actually being discussed between a very young child and the teaching staff. Is, is that a reasonable summary? Yeah, that's definitely a reasonable summary. And I think it's made all the more difficult by the fact that the young children can't really comprehend what's going on so and obviously to repeat what was taking place their version of events is is going to be kind of um distorted or broken so there's the confusion between what happens in the classroom and then relaying what was said at home you know so because as you know children aren't aren't reliable witnesses then brian you know so there's there's a big thing of um confusion going on here like the, the teachers can hide behind the fact that the children didn't quite understand the lesson, so maybe they are repeating something that didn't happen. You know, we've got a lot of that going on, so it's just a mess. It's an absolute mess, right, and, and we are being completely shut out. The other thing that's, that comes in the, with the sex education is the, is the so-called cis agenda, that we're now teaching very young children that there's not necessarily such a thing as a little boy or a little girl, or you can be born one thing and change to something else. Don't worry, you can have a, an operation to make you into a little girl or a little boy, depending on which way you're going to go. And this, this is another layer of, of uh, ideas which are being put towards the children, which they're really... They're not capable of understanding. And of course, what it can do is, as far as I'm concerned, is introduce all sorts of fears and uncertainties into their own minds because they're young children, they're growing up. Um, there's plenty of cases of um, little girls wanting to do boy type things. And for very young children, little boys who want to do girl type things. And this is very normal. It's a normal part of growing up into a normal adulthood. But of course, these children are now being told, no, 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 it's not that simple. Uh, you may well, um, you may think you're a little boy, but actually you're a little girl. And we are going to help you change into that new identity. 
And by the way, we're not going to tell mummy and daddy this is happening. Well, this is a massive concern because um, what, you've, what you've touched on there is obviously the ideologies behind this education. So that particular ideology is the gender ideology. And it's quite a relief to find out that just this week in the Daily Mail, there was an article on John Money and this gender ideology. So our main concerns as an organisation are the founding um academic theories behind them. So it's a relief for us now to see this coming out into the mainstream, but just how long it's going to be there, we simply don't know. But then, you know, this lesson content in the classroom, we've got the different organisations coming in. Some will say the doctor guesses your gender at birth, and then we've got Jigsaw then that refers to your body as your birth body. Um, Very, very confusing indeed. There's the lessons taking part in school are called gender swap. So this is a mathematics lesson um, for the comprehensive children, gender swap. And they're being given names of the opposite gender. They've got to attend these lessons. So, you know, we've got an entire, um, prof- well, an entire profession of teachers delivering this stuff. They know absolutely nothing of. We've got these sex education organizations bringing it in. None of them are safeguard trained. They're pulling stuff up on the screen, such as the Kinsey scale and so on. They have absolutely no idea where this stuff comes from. So us as an organization, we are aware of these underlying academic principles then. And that is where our fight comes from, Brian. But they are so horrific, it's difficult for the general public to even put that into a school environment, you know, put these actions into this school situation. So what we are dealing with here is unethical um, ideologies. They are all based on the abuse of children. And the results uh, is the abuse of children, you know. We are actually dealing with with a multi-billion dollar industry here. So I would ask people, um, you know, before you look into anything, have a look how much these people are getting paid. You know, if these people are getting something for it, from it, should they really be giving you this information? You know, so... Yeah, it's all questionable. Many of the people that are now employed as trainers are people who are heavily embedded in the ideology. They live it, they believe it, and they are very um, extreme in imposing their ideology on other people. This this is one of the key things. So we now see, of course, many so-called charities which are now getting fully involved in the education system in order to impose their ideology on the children and on the parents if they can. But if the parents get in the way, then uh, the the door's going to be closed and the parents are going to be told, you don't have any uh, parental responsibility or rights with your own children. Yeah, well, the children actually have something called sexual and reproductive rights now. So I'm sure, I think the Prime Minister has just said that the, the schools do have to inform parents that the children are, are considering a different gender. But they have sexual and reproductive rights, and these are going to override parental rights. Part of the sexual and reproductive rights mean the state can administer medication to your child without your consent. So even though the Prime Minister is now saying parents should be informed, parents don't have any power with that information anyway, you know. So it is it seems to be given in one hand and taken in the other. And I think that's because the ultimate aim of the government is <clears throat> excuse me, is to deceive parents into accepting um, what they're actually doing. And my mind's immediately taken north of the border to Scotland. And I think we mentioned this in one of our previous discussions together that uh, some time ago um, in Scotland, they were trying to introduce what they called the named parent scheme. And uh, what was happening was that the, the, the state was going to appoint an individual to a child at birth in order to safeguard them and ensure that they were brought up in a safe and appropriate manner. And at at an interaction with one of the Scottish um, MPs, um, it was a lady, I'm afraid I've forgotten her name, but she was being challenged by some of the parents and her response was, well, don't worry about this new system because parents 
will also have a role in bringing up the children. And of course, in that one sentence, she gave the whole thing away because the reality was that the state imposed um, named individual was the person who was going to have lead responsibility for bringing up the child. But the parent, yeah, might also have some sort of responsibility. Now, thanks to a lot of work by uh, small groups, really equivalent to what you started off doing, Kim, um, those small groups north of the border were eventually able to get this squashed, but it took a huge amount of effort. And um, I'm going to say well done to them. But just on the subject to north of the border, I happened to be up in Scotland over the weekend and uh, I had you in my mind. <laughs> um, I actually picked up a copy of the uh, Scottish Mail on Sunday, um, a lot on Russia. But uh, I found on page 29 there was a very interesting article and um, I'm just going to read out a bit. So the main headline is this. What we are witnessing is an all-out war on parental authority, but the ultimate victims are our children. And this is written by, um, it says, author and commentator Mary Harrington. Uh, the subheadline is pupils identifying as cats, teachers too scared to speak out, and a bid to smash every rule and boundary. And I can tell you that when I when I got to this page, it really caught my attention. Let me just read a little bit of the introduction and I'll also read the conclusion and then we can discuss it. I need my glasses for this one because it's a bit on the small side. It says, are we seeing the tide finally turn on gender madness in schools? Hopefully we are in view of the widespread reaction to shocking audio footage last week from a school in Sussex that revealed a teacher calling a teenage, a teenage pupil despicable for disputing the idea that a classmate could identify as a cat. Other reports poured in from multiple schools of children identifying as dinosaurs, animals, or even moons, of teachers afraid to challenge them for fear of being seen as discriminatory. Now, leaked draft guidelines for schools on gender identity su suggest the government is creaking into action with a ban on embracing pupils' exotic identities without involving parents. But will this be enough? I think not. The roots of this madness are far more insidious and far more widespread. We are witnessing nothing less than an all-out war on normal. And it's justified by a sinister body of thought known as queer theory. Let's be clear. Most of us support gay and lesbian people living normal lives, free of unjust discrimination. But queer theory isn't about including gay and lesbian people in normal society. It sees normal society as the source of oppression. And that means dismantling normal society. And just very quickly, uh, this is how it finishes. Um, Every day we see new evidence of how their poisonous ideas have crept into schools, institutions, charities, and even the police. This ideology is hidden behind a rightful and justified effort to protect gay and lesbian people from cruel bullying and discrimination. And now it's waging war on normal itself and it must be stopped. It should be clear by now that the real winners of a war on normal are the kind of monsters who flourish in the world without truth, rules, or consequences, and its ultimate casualties, our children. So, Kim, I, I mean, there's a lot more in the article, but I read it and I thought, my goodness, this lady is absolutely seeing this for what it is. And you, you've you been very, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, you've been very careful in describing yourself. You're a group, you're based there in Wales. But here we've now got paper with a big distribution and we've got a journalist who is absolutely coming in and agreeing completely with your concerns and identifying those concerns as not just a problem in the education system, but actually an attack on society itself. So... There's something, sorry, there's something happening here, isn't there? 
Yeah, there is. Well, I think that that whole incident is a perfect demonstration on why this is being um, legislated for the younger children, because report after report tells us that the teenagers, more specifically the teenagers um, that come from a council estate background then, they are the type of people who just, they, they won't accept this, you know, and, and they will um, make fun then, if, if you wish. Well, most children will if there's a cat litter tray in the back of the class. Anyway, they will um, take the mick, they will crack jokes. And I think that is a, is a perfect demonstration of what we've been warning about, you know. Now, where is that teacher's head at? Because I heard that recording myself. Where's that teacher's head at, you know, for for an adult to be, you can support this in the background. You know, I, my friend's child thought he was a horse until he was 11 years old. We called him Giddy Up Trevor. We did not get him a trough and we certainly did not saddle him up, you know. So where are the adults in this? Again, you know, we've got these ideologies coming from top down. Queer theory, absolutely. That is a massive factor in this. Throughout everybody's documentation, uh, Dr. Ellie Barnes, their manuals, time and time and time and time again, they keep talking about smashing heteronormativity. So they don't want any kind of what we would consider normal. But I would argue and say, what is normal? We're all individuals in our own right anyway. So why we need to queer things? Nobody is a perfect example of a woman or the perfect example of a man. What is the perfect example, you know? You might have a masculine man who actually likes to cook. So does that mean he's queer? You know, a lot of chefs out there are male. This is about blurring the lines, causing a lot of confusion. And and it's the political rape of language as well, I'd say. You know, it, it definitely is the political rape of language. They're changing the meanings. And that's the whole point of queering. Q stands for anything goes. You know, it's not hip. It's not cool the way it's being sold. And we've actually just started um, educating people on queer theory. We've got a one-page profile on the website. And we are going into the LGBTQ communities. And we are educating them on how much they are being exploited and how much they are being used for this agenda which is targeting our children. Kim, this this is this is a really important point, isn't it? Because this is this is an attack on um, on language, and of course, if you control people's language, you control how they think. Um, we've yes. seen we're seeing this in other areas. So you play with the words, you get people, and particularly children, because they're particularly susceptible. Uh, to what they're being told, everything is sucked into to that developing mind. So you play with language, and ultimately you are changing the way young children and teenagers, adults think. And I think this is true in in the LGBTQ plus plus community itself. There are many people that do not understand that they are actually under attack themselves, and. For my mind, um, w- one of the key things is that uh, we are not going to, we are not building a society which is going to be a utopia for people who are gay and trans. That's not actually happening because when when it's advanced sufficiently, then of course the next barriers are going to be brought down. And what are they going to be talking about? I believe they will be talking about that it's acceptable to have sex with babies and it will be acceptable to have sex with animals. Perhaps you might like to be dressed as an animal as you have sex um, with another animal. Uh, Ultimately, this is a war on society and on our minds. And we've seen how this this has crept in. At one stage, we had a society where there were gay people Everybody knew it. Um, there were there was a backlash very often if those practices um, became too visible or they impacted on uh, what other people would call normal heterosexual family life. And in many cases, yes, there was vicious and inappropriate action taken against people that were gay. But now we've had a move through a system where it's okay to be gay but it hasn't stopped there. Now we've moved on to the next bit. And ultimately, I have no doubt that where many of these agencies want to go 
is that it, it they want to see it become acceptable to have sex with children and the next bit will be animals as well. Yeah, well, if you look into their work, um, this is about um, eroding the binaries, and that includes between adult and childhood. So they don't believe childhood is a thing. They believe that children are equal to us. And you're absolutely right on the animal front as well. We have parents and their children are getting involved in furries. But that's a line to bestiality, Brian. But try telling a parent that. You know, they don't quite understand it. This is why we're encouraging people to read things for themselves. So rather than making statements now, we're simply asking questions. I think we need to just educate people on what's going on. This queer theory is very, very dangerous and it's been sold as something hip and cool. But I don't know a single hip, cool person in this world who would call themselves queer if they knew exactly where it came from. I, I totally agree with that. I'll just add that when I was in um, Edinburgh over the weekend, uh, there happened, there were some talks which were anti-war talks about the war in Ukraine. Um, but at the same time, there was a very big um, LGBTQ++ demonstration or rally. No, it wasn't a demonstration. It was a rally uh, taking place in Edinburgh. And of course, the thing that immediately became apparent was that there was a highly sexual content to what was actually happening. So it wasn't just that LGBTQ++ people had gathered in order to be together and to have a, a, a march through Edinburgh in order to support their cause. Um, there were a large number of people who were um, very provocatively dressed, and that usually means with not a lot on, and, and in that um, parade itself were a lot of very young children. So I, you watched the march as it was happening. And what was clearly going on is a lot of young children who were incapable of really understand what was happening around them were being indoctrinated uh, by the sheer presence of the other people. But it would appear that their mums and dads who'd taken them were happy for, for these very young children to have this kind of experience. And, and I've, I've seen many um, little film clips and images of, of other LGBT parades, gay parades taking place in London and elsewhere, where a large component of those parades were people um, parading their, their private sexual deviances and preferences, um, so behaving in a highly sexual way in front of, of the audience of the, of the public watching these parades. If, if you and I were to go onto the street and start taking our clothes off, we would be, we'd be arrested pretty quickly. I'm quite confident of that. But for some reason, when these people do it, uh, they're allowed to get away with it. Could it be because often there are police of the same persuasion wearing the same face paint and carrying the flags who are policing the movement itself? So there's, there's a bias in how the government and how uh, society is dealing with this agenda. Yeah, and I think what you find as well in these parades, you know, there's always some high-profile politicians there as well. You know, so what is going through their minds? Last year in Pride in Cardiff, lesbians were kicked out because they they openly said that they don't like penises. Well, lesbians don't like penises, but it's okay for the First Minister then to... He's all-inclusive, but he's happy for lesbians to be kicked out of a parade that's supposed to be there for them. So again, we've got some high-profile people there. Where is their head at? They have eyes. They see what's going on. We as adults know what's appropriate for a child and what's not appropriate for a child. And this is something we need to look at the adults here. The adults are the problem, you know. And this is for their own private lives, their own, their own kinks and fetishism. And very often the same with the sex education organisations. You very often find that sexuality is their only qualification. Kim, that's a very good lead-in, I think, to having a look at our little film clip. Now, you can correct me after we've watched it, um, but uh, what I believe we've got is a little clip of the incident in the school in Sussex. And then we're moving into Andrew Bridgen trying to get his uh, uh, bill through to actually challenge what's happening. 
and then we can see the response of the extra MP Ben Bradshaw. Uh, let's have a little uh, look at this video clip. You were talking about the fact that cisgender is the, the norm, that you identify with the gender, that, with the sexual order that you're born with yeah. or you're weird. That's yeah. basically what you're saying, yeah. which is really despicable. Social transition practices in school have now become the norm in every classroom in the country. They are promoted as a normal and healthy response to natural feelings children experience around a difficult period we used to just call growing up. There is not a single child in our schools today who has not been exposed to it. They include the policing of language by mandating the use of a child's preferred pronouns, referring to a boy as she or her instead of he or him or vice versa, the use of body alterations to reflect their transition to the opposite sex. Teachers, students, even parents who don't oblige are punished and ostracised. Madam Deputy Speaker, this bill is not about the welfare of young people. No. No. It's not no. about the smooth running of our schools. Okay. It's about a cynical but completely transparent attempt mm -hmm. by a conspiracy theorist who is too right-wing, even for today's Conservative Party, yeah. to stoke the culture wars on the backs of our most vulnerable minority yeah. Yeah. and their families. Yeah. And I, it is despicable. And I urge colleagues in this House to give it a resounding thumbs down. Well, there we are, just, just a little short clip and a synopsis. Um, the teacher in the beginning calling the, I think it was a little boy speaking to her, a boy speaking to her, calling him despicable, calling his mother, his family despicable because he dared to cha challenge her agenda on this. Is that what you picked up from that little part of the clip? Absolutely, yes. And to tell you the truth, Brian, that is exactly the same thing as what my older son would have done. You know, he, he would have he would have recorded the whole incident. My youngest wouldn't have. He, he hasn't got it in him. But, um, yeah, that is exactly what I get from it. And we are dealing with – this is what I mean, because the teenagers simply won't put up with it, and this is why they're targeting the younger children. But we need to ask ourselves, why are teachers this – so hell-bent on drumming this home, you know? What's going through these teachers' minds? I'm going to answer that by saying I believe that many of the teachers are themselves, they're either, they're either already in the agenda before they go into teacher training and or when they get in teacher training, they are indoctrinated as part of their training to become a teacher. Um, I'll, I'll try and come back onto that in a minute because I've got a different example from somebody who did some social services training. I'll, I'll try not to forget that. But the second part of the clip there was um, Andrew Bridgen speaking out in a very measured, sensible way about what he saw was the wrongs of, of what was happening in school. And then what do we then see? We saw Ben Bradshaw standing up. And my goodness, the arrogance of that man to call Andrew Bridgen a conspiracy theorist. Now, presumably he did that because Andrew Bridgen has been brave enough to stand up in Parliament to warn that we have got many people injured as a result of the COVID-19 vaccination policy. So Brent Bradshaw's not interested in any of the damage done through that programme, uh, just straight in there, brand Andrew Bridgen as a conspiracy theorist. And of course, he had to get the sort of right wing, too right wing for the Conservatives in. Um, so so Andrew Bridgen gets dismissed by, Bren, sorry, by Ben Bradshaw. But of course, if we look into the history of Ben Bradshaw, we find that he is a champion of this movement in the first place. So I, I've just got a, one, one image here, which is from the Evening Standard in 2022. So it says that trans community even more set upon than gay and lesbian people were, says MP. Uh, and he said he hoped the UK Parliament would soon have a trans MP. So this is what you were talking about a few minutes ago, Kim, where, where you said that these people are embedded in the government system themselves. We need to pay attention to people like Ben Bradshaw because he's the man driving this through, but the ultimate target is children. 
Well, yeah, and we're seeing this played out all across politics, you know. So what we should have is a cabinet that's reflective of the population. Therefore, only 4% of the cabinet then should represent the LGBT platform. But in Wales, we have a strong... Um, we have a strong team of um, LGBT people running politics here. A lot of them don't have children. So, again, I can't help but say you're bringing your personal sex life in above the safety of children. And when these people go on about the trans community, um, what trans community? We hear the same people talking about this trans community who are against conversion therapy. Well, this social the social transitioning of children in schools is conversion therapy. You know, they're taking camp boys and, and tomboys and they are converting them. So is this a genuine trans community or are they hijacking young, impressionable minds who know they're different, who don't quite fit in, which is a fifth of the school population by itself, additional needs. Teenagers naturally don't feel like they they... they fit in anyway we all hate something about ourselves at that age so here we are we get people who are shouting about this trans community who aren't really a genuine trans community because a lot of them have been involved in this conversion therapy they've been converted that way social transition means that child is invested in this process now when you start the social transition the teachers are involved, the school is involved, the school population is involved, then the family is involved. Well, that child is then in this situation where they've become far too invested to consider anything else. You know, so these people, they talk about this trans community, they're also um, campaigning against conversion therapy. They're very much in the middle of it. They are the cause. They are converting these children into something. This is not a true trans community. This is um, a group of people who have been hijacked and abused by this ideology, you know, during the time when they are most vulnerable. So this is child abuse. Yeah. Well, let's just emphasize this a bit. Of course, one of the major cha uh, charities that has helped drive all this ideology through is Stonewall. And of course, we, we've seen that Stonewall went from being a very uh, small charity with a particular aim to, uh, I will say, protect gay people and, and fight their corner, um, to an organisation which seemed to be work, what seems, which clearly is working directly alongside government and, and the public services. So, so there's nowhere now that you can go where Stonewall isn't working alongside the police or the education system or the fire service or government think tanks. Um, so th the ideology is driven into the whole of the uh, political elite and the civil service itself and through into the uh, public sector, local authorities. Uh, education is part of that by Stonewall and many other, uh, uh, I'm going to call it a so-called charity, but they seem to have, um, if you like, a magic uh, key from the government to be able to do whatever they like. But if, if you turn around and challenge what they're doing, you're going to be vilified and called a right-wing extremist and a nasty person. So what, where did where did Stone uh, where did Stonewall get the power from to do what it does? This is what interests me. Well, this is it. Like most organisations, they start off um, they start off people based. You know, there's a problem. People come together and they try to address it. But here we've got Stonewall. Let's let's uh, compare them to all the other minority groups out there. I doubt they get the level of funding that Stonewall do. And when we've looked into the funding of Stonewall, they get funded per local authority, they get central government funding. Um, I would go as far as to say they've got an entire factory of um, a team of accounts because that's how, many, how much funding they're getting from so many sources. How can they possibly keep up with it? They're also doing something... Um, I think they're going into schools and they like certifying schools that you are a stonewall school if you meet the certain criteria. So again, the incentives are really high um, for the schools to involve Stonewall. And again, they've got far too much power. They've got far too much say. And these are people we simply do not know, Brian. You know, these well, people are people we do not know. And when you look into the individuals 
again, you know, I, I, I only compare myself to the person I was yesterday. But this whole fight has forced me to compare myself to these people. Well, these people don't have the qualifications for a start to be making decisions on my children. They all have a conflict of interest. They are all getting paid for this. Most of them aren't parents themselves. So when I look at the individuals behind it all, I am not happy at all. Not happy in, in one little bit. But like I said, they all start off really good. And then, you know, when, when this big funding comes involved, then it's, it's like as if they're, if, if the goalposts are moved then and, and their vision expands and they, they go into territory, but they shouldn't really be, you know. And, and of course, Stonewall works alongside the police. And I've always found this one to be very, very uncomfortable because does that mean that when you're dealing with a policeman or a policewoman, that you are going to get a fair hearing? Have, have either of those two individuals gone through uh, indoctrination in order for the police to get the Stonewall certificate of um, acceptability? Uh, I've always found this one very worrying. And of course, they've been working alongside the military as well. And for me, this raises a point. I've spoken to gay people about this particular subject. And actually, I found the response to be very measured. They don't have a problem with what I'm saying. But um, I, I was still serving in the military at a time when um, the gay community went from being something that was unacceptable if you were caught involved in homosexual act um, in the latter part of my time in the military, you would be kicked out of the military. Those rules were all changed to be uh, uh, to make the gay community acceptable and, in and inclusive. But something else came with it, and that is that within the gay community, it very quickly became clear that there, there are two types. There are the people who are gay and they keep it to themselves. That's their private life. And they, they prefer it that way. It's their own business. It's their private life. And there are other people that I deem to be predatory. And the yeah. danger in the military was that the predatory gays, of course, would immediately target the young recruits. And then you discover, well, it's not just on the male side, it's also on the female side that you would have lesbians who were clearly predatory to the young girls coming into the military. So far from protecting um, military personnel, what we started to, to realize was that particularly the young recruits were becoming very vulnerable to unwanted and sometimes very unpleasant advances by these predatory individuals. Now, I say there are many gay people that know exactly what I'm talking about, um, but where's it led to in the military? Well, we, we've, we've seen over recent years an unprecedented level of sexual assaults uh, between military personnel, might be male or female, or between males and females. To my mind, following this liberalisation, we saw an utter breakdown in discipline and also the sheer happiness of, of units. If you take a ship and you're locked in a steel box for months at a time, to have somebody there who is predatory and a risk to somebody who's a young trainee um, sailor, man or woman, this is horrific. But nobody wanted to talk about it because everybody knew that the doctrine imposed on the military from the top down was that uh, this is this is too delicate to talk about. So I've thrown in my six pennyworth there, but I'm speaking with experience, having seen what happened when I'm focusing on these predatory people when they were allowed to do what they wanted. It's like they've got a victim card now, isn't it? You know, it's, this has been seen as a victim card. You know, if, if you do something bad, then all of a sudden you come out. You come out as either gay or you're, you're trans now. You know, and this says this this is part of the sexual liberation movement. This is exactly what they wanted, Brian. You know, so what we are seeing is a lot of kinks and fetishism um, coming out on the streets, and a lot of people don't understand that we're being told love is love, and this is about relationships. But we're being encouraged to bed hop. You know, so love is not love. You know, what we're seeing is lust. We're seeing lust and sexual fetishism. And we see in relationships trying to be built off the back of last. 
And I've spoken to some gay people, um, strangers on the street, obviously, with this campaign. And they have said pretty much along the lines of what you've said, Brian, it's either sex, drugs and rock and roll, or it's a very lonely lifestyle, you know? Because there are people out there who like the party side of it, they like to have sex, you know, they, they like the predatory approach. But then there's people out there who just want to get on with their lives. Our a policy and funding executive is a gay man, and he said when he first came out um, onto the gay scene, he was, the, the amount of money people were throwing at him and they were asking him to do certain things. He couldn't believe it. His life changed overnight the moment he came out and stepped foot into a gay club, um, his life completely changed. He, he wasn't prepared for what was in store. You know, he was offered £500 just for people to do simple, but obviously um, sexual acts and stuff like that. He was inundated with requests. And, you know, so you're absolutely right. I think this is a front for... Well, we know it's a front for the kinks and fetishes. I mean, if you look at the people who brought in these series, sexual from birth, gender theory, the gender ideology, all of them were were predatory in in their sexual well in their sexual behaviour themselves. They were very often having sex with their students. Um, that what they were doing to themselves using um tools and things like that so they all have really questionable things none of them had a healthy sex life none of them had a relationship a long-lasting relationship that you could be proud of so again it's the political rape of language isn't it love is love love is not love you know love is special love is something that should be sacred and love is a really important binding part of who we are whether that's in your family or whether that's in a committed sexual relationship, you know? So we are dealing with two types of people. These two types of people are in every group mind, not just the LGBTQ community, but this is how LGBT was formed. And it's really important that people understand this. LGBT was not set up in favor of gay people. Gay people were used from day one for this, um, for this agenda. Children are the currency here. Children are the target. Nobody cares about gay people. Not, nobody, the people at the front of this don't care about gay people. They've got their own um, agendas to play, you know? If they cared about gay people, then obviously every gay person out there would know where the Kinsey scale came from and they'd know where the queer theory came from. But this is all being sold as hip and cool, dressed up in glitter. If something's really that good, Brian, you don't have to dress it up in glitter. Do you know what I mean? It stands for itself. There's a reason why Rolls Royce don't advertise. They simply don't need to. And if this was as good as they said it was, they wouldn't have to put colours and glitter on it, would they? They certainly wouldn't. Um, number of things coming into my mind while, while you're, you're t talking through that. I, th I think the first thing is that, of course, the government uh, certainly wants to try and make it unlawful for anybody to talk to somebody who's gay, who's got a problem with their own lifestyle, to make it unlawful to try and help somebody that appears unhappy and is seeking help as a result of the lifestyle that they're, they're in. And I find this, this very, very sinister, that, that the bulk of society to which this lady refers to in, in the article in the Scottish Mail on Sunday, the bulk of people forming normal heterosexual society, they are the ones who are going to be gagged to prevent them speaking out about what they feel, but also in offering people who, who, who are gay or part of that community um, a helping hand. This is this is draconian and very wrong, I think. Even a gay person, now a gay person age 30 plus, surely they must they must see what's gone on, you know. Um, one minute LGBT was flavour of the month. Now LGBT are being seen as not real gays if they don't accept um if they don't accept a full month, if they don't want a full month of celebration and they don't want to wear their sexuality um as a badge of honour then they have been ostracised from their own community. So I think even the gay people now are feeling a massive shift of, hang on a minute, you know, one minute we were accepted and put on this pedestal, now all of a sudden we, we aren't, 
real gays anymore, you know? So you only have to look at LGB alliance and gays against groomers to understand what is going on, you know? I don't think we need to have this argument now between heterosexual, homosexual. I think a lot of people are understanding what's going on. And I think... Um, I think it's only the insecure people, Brian, that, that are really holding on to this platform. And that was the whole point, wasn't it? It was to target the most vulnerable in society. And it's those people who are desperate to be accepted and desperate to be part of something. I think they are the ones that are shouting the loudest, you know, and those are the ones you've got to feel more sorry for. Uh, that, that's true. But the other bit that we've got to pay attention to, Kim, is the fact that we, we live uh, in a United Kingdom where the government declared openly in its cabinet office document in 2010 that it had the ability to change people's behaviours without them knowing that had taken place. And I'm talking about the mind space, M-I-N-D-S-P-A-C-E, the mind space uh, 2010 document. That is what it said. The government would, was boasting they could use politically applied psychology to change the way that people uh, thought and behaved. And they, and they, the people, would not necessarily know this had even happened. And of course, we, we know um, from documents uh, released at the time that the government was using applied psychology to make people more fearful during the COVID debacle. Um, we can be very sure that the government is also using applied psychology to promote this trans agenda and through schools. Schools are using applied psychology on this. And for me, what makes it so dangerous is that uh, children are especially vulnerable to the use of psychological tricks because they've got very open minds. They suck in information. They're hungry for information. They're very susceptible to applied psychology. But most adults are also very susceptible to it. And the thought that the government can be bringing in what many would believe is a perverse agenda, and they're going to be doing it using psychology, I, I think is, is, well, I'm lost for words, really. It's very dangerous. And people need to wake up to this aspect. And I'd reinforce that by coming back um, to uh, this was a, a mum who I had a conversation with many years ago. She told me her daughter was training to um, uh, become social services, uh, part of the social services team. And her story was that one day the, the daughter had left her textbooks. She was at university studying social science and um, she left her textbooks on the table. Mother looks at the textbooks and what she actually finds is that the daughter's looking at, at extreme pornography. And she's, you know, upset, nonplussed. So eventually she says to the daughter, uh, you're looking at all this horrible material to which the daughter says, oh, well, we have to, it's part of our course. But of course, what was really happening was that the girl was being groomed. It they be were being given this pornography because it was hardening to them to the pornography. It was idle interest. This was something happening within the training course in order to, to get the idea into the, these young students' heads that this material was acceptable. Oh, we have to know about it. Otherwise, how do we deal with it? when we encounter it. No, 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 you're being groomed. I think that's the biggest um, line that they're using of all. We need to teach them about this so they know what to do with it. Well, we don't push a child in front of a car to teach them how to cross the road, do we? No, we don't. We don't. We absolutely don't. And just before we end, because I think we're, we, we're com coming towards a natural end point here, the other one is that um, I've also been able to speak to staff within the NHS who work within sexual health clinics, and they, they talk about the tremendous discussions they have with people who come in with all sorts of health problems as a result of the particular practices that they're involved in. And, um, and uh, one of these individuals said in particular that often if somebody has come back repeatedly for uh, treatment and help and the confidence builds, 
how often it is that they then start to say that they're not happy with their own lifestyle. And, and the individual who told me this said it's very poignant when the people begin to trust the NHS staff and then they start to talk about how they got into the scene and what the scene has done to them. But again, we're approaching the point, uh, well, certainly somebody can't breach a, a medical in confidence subject, so I fully accept that. But again, for, for individuals to understand that there are people in this community seeking help, and we're not even allowed to talk about that, I, it's very sad, but it's dangerous stuff. It's sad and sinister, Brian. There's, there's no two ways about that. Kim, we've got to do what I always do. People who've been kind enough to sit through and uh, listen to this interview, this discussion, um, what would you like to see people doing? Well, I think every, the most important thing now is to unite. Um, a lot of people are being isolated. They're being told they are the only parent against this. You're not on your own, okay? You're not on your own. The whole world is fighting this. They will make you believe you're on your own. We are forming a coalition. Um, I do understand a lot of people don't have confidence in addressing this because the topic is so big. But my advice is just learn one thing. Learn one thing, hold on to it, and you run with that. You only need to know a little bit more, okay? You need to know a little bit more than the teachers. And that's the, you know, so that's not a lot anyway. There's lots of videos on our website and on our YouTube, PCP Wales on YouTube, publicchildprotectionwales.org on the website. We are forming, we've got a, a Facebook page, Coalition Against the Indoctrination and Sexualization of Children. Like I said, the most important thing now is we unite. And we've got template letters available. Everybody needs to be fighting from ground level. We understand some parents are being attacked by uh, different local authority organizations. We are here to support you guys. This is very much a people fight now. We need to start a movement. This is about the protection of our children. They cannot wait to be saved. So guys, just get in touch, get connected. Find these RSE and sex education groups on all social media platforms. We will get you connected to people in your area. You might feel alone now, but we can build this up, okay? It's very much a case of coming together. We continue fighting. We will never, ever give up on our children. So guys, just group together, come together. Join us in our demonstrations. We've got one in Cardiff on the 11th of July. We've got one in London on the 13th of September. We're also happy to come around the whole of the UK delivering presentations on this. The most important thing now is we educate each other, guys, okay? So don't worry about making statements. Just plant seeds, ask questions, find your people, and together we will conquer this. Kimberly, thank you very much for that. Uh, shall we just add that, of course, in, in the movement that you're talking about, there's everybody, there's all colours, there's... Oh, yes. Uh, all different faiths, and that this has been an important thing. And um, we've also, of course, now got gay people joining the movement because they are seeing it, uh, seeing this ideology for what it really is. And I think this is one of the most encouraging things. So what you're doing is clearly not exclusive. On the contrary, it's inclusive. We are, as far as I'm aware, the only group in the whole of the UK who welcome. We've had a big LGBT following since day one, Brian, because we started on the sexual from birth. We started educating people. So we are the only group in the UK who cater from all minorities and the majority. Um, we do host all the different groups, the different religious groups, the sexuality groups. We don't want to dissolve those groups. They are good on their own. They've got their own um, values, their own principles. We are just a place for everybody. Everybody is welcome. We have three principles. They're simple. You're either part of the human race or you're part of the human disgrace. There's only one split in society. That's childhood and adulthood. That's something queer theory doesn't believe. And everybody under 18 is a minor. That's all we ask is those three principles. We do the work that needs to be done and then we go back to our own um, issues later on. So that is something to be proud of and that is the reason why the media won't touch us. 
doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your background is, you will always get a warm welcome on our platform if you respect those three principles. Wonderful. Kim, thank you very much for joining us today and thank you for giving us a really excellent update on what's happening out there. We will invite you back again because, of course, this is an ongoing battle. So I do hope you will come back and talk to us again. Absolutely, Brian. Thank you very much. Thank you to all of UK Column for their support and obviously Liberty Tactics for this connection because they've been uh, an incredible support of ours. So just thank you to all the UK Column viewers because they are the ones that we do get the most correspondence from and the most support. So thank you all so much. We don't get to email you all back, but we do read every single email and it does keep us going. So thank you all so much for that. Excellent, Kim. Thank you. We'll leave it there. We'll say bye-bye to our viewers.